Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Jow. He is your host, Ramses Jow. I'm kind of like his sidekick slash teammate slash... Like, I'm the big brother, but kind of the little brother sometimes. The big, big brother. That's what it is. But they call me Q-War. Indeed, they do. Um, Stick around. We got a lot in store for you today. Um, I'd like to let you all know that it is... AAPI Heritage Month, that is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And around here, we celebrate this and the accomplishments and contributions of our Asian American and Pacific Islander brothers and sisters. And so you hear about more, um, you hear more about that um, as uh, we flow through the show. We're going to spend some time talking about why, potentially, there are seldom consequences in stories where we see folks harming black people, in particular, non-black people harming black people. Um, There's a few examples that are in the media right now that tell that story better than we could. And so we're going to kind of get into that, peel back a few layers and, you know, examine what our path forward uh, might be. And uh, we're also going to spend some time talking about an incident in Elk Grove, California, where a black teenager was harassed by a police officer on camera and give you a glimpse into what it can be like to be black and interact with police. We do this quite often on the show. This is another example. This is not dissimilar to experiences that both me and Q have had. Um, and this is something that we feel gives you a, uh, an aperture into that. So a lot to stick around for, but first and foremost, let's start off at the top with some Ebony Excellence. Shall we? We shall. So today's Ebony Excellence is sponsored by Major Threads, and uh, we're going to talk about Ralph Yarl. Um, there's an update from Sean King, and I will read it to you. This is our Ebony Excellence. Um, he's recovering. So it goes, hey, everybody. This is from Sean King, by the way. Hey, everybody. Wanted to give you all a beautiful update on the health condition of Ralph Yarl. He's healing and recovering well. Traumatic brain injuries just take time. And we're asking for your continued prayers. I remain in close contact with his family. We've decided that they truly need the time and space and conditions not only for Ralph to heal, but for the whole family to heal. Let me stop right here and remind you that Ralph Yarl is the 16-year-old who was shot in the head for knocking on the wrong door, ringing the wrong doorbell. Um, Okay, I'll continue. This has traumatized all of them. We've worked hard to make sure the family has all the right medical, legal, and financial support they need during this time and are deeply grateful for all the donors and supporters that chipped in to help this family. Here's an update directly from his aunt, Dr. Faith Spoonmore. Uh, She says, Ralph is getting better every day. He has more good days than bad days. Ralph is currently experiencing headaches that can be debilitating at times. Our prayer is that with time... uh, that will also improve. He is a fighter, and we are fl- we are truly blessed to still have him here with us. The last 10 days have been a whirlwind of emotions, but uh, from being thankful that I still have my nephew to feeling an overwhelming amount of anger that we live in a country where this type of hate still exists in some, Ralph is looking forward to being able to play the bass clarinet soon, and we cannot wait for that moment either. We truly appreciate all the love and support 
that we have received from everyone. Thank you all for the prayers. And I want to also shout out Alicia Keys for setting up a trust for him. Hmm. For those familiar with the story and that have donated, um, he received a lot of money to kind of help him with his recovery. So I've got to mention Alicia Keys' name there as well. So Ebony Excellence goes out to Ralph Yarl on his road to recovery. Blessings and love to Ralph and his family. All right, Q, I got a question. Um, why aren't there consequences for harming black people? Wait, let me let me ask it differently. Why, when the assailant is a non-black person uh, or white passing person, better said, why are there seldom consequences for a person like this harming a black person? Because we know that there's consequences when a black person harms a black person. When a black person harms anyone. Sure, sure. Very good. Yeah. But why do you think that is? I'm like, being funny. Yeah. But go ahead. People people <laughs> might consider it, you know, lazy. Um too, too on the nose. Um, but our country just has a very tragic and disheartening history of going out of its way to devalue black lives. Mm, great answer. The, the reason that affirmation exists in the first place. Black lives matter. Yeah, indeed. Um, so we wouldn't just, I mean, for those that listen to the show, we wouldn't just get that off. We actually have some stories here that caused us to ask ourselves that very question. Um, why aren't there consequences for harming black people? Right. Now you're you're asking a white supremacist, supremacist system to punish white supremacy. Yeah, it's the least I can do. <laughs> it's a tall order. I get it. All right, so um, let's talk. Uh, let's let's frame this um, for folks that are listening. So all the data and all that stuff supports that. Um, at least the criminal justice data that is recorded, uh, criminal justice system data. I don't want to say criminal justice, implying that there is justice there. Um, but folks who are arrested for crimes, not necessarily folks who commit the crimes, but folks who are arrested for the crimes. Data shows that um, the uh, uh, there is a conviction and the sentences are longer when the uh, victim of the crime is white and the uh, the uh, assailant is black. The accused, the accused assailant. Sure. And that the the inverse is true when the white person harms a black person. The criminal justice system tends to be a lot more lenient um, if it's white and white or black and black. Um, it is. Uh, the, it's not such a drastic thing. Um, however, black people are punished at uh, an extremely higher rate than than white people uh, across every um, part of the uh, spectrum in the criminal justice system. Okay, so there's some background for you. I'm going to read this. This comes from the Grio. Um, shout out to the Grio. They gave us a good interview not too long ago. One time for the Grio. Uh, so the Grio uh, has a story. Uh, and the headline is NYC woman who drove into BLM crowd gets no jail in plea deal. Okay. I'm going to read a little bit here. A New York city woman who plowed her car into black lives matter protesters managed to evade jail time by cutting a plea agreement with the prosecution. According to the New York post, Kathleen Casillo 53 
received five hours of community service under the deal with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Castillo drove her BMW sedan with her 29-year-old daughter inside into a crowd in December 2020, injuring six people. Video capturing the moment showed several protesters flying into the air. All right, I'm going to stop right here. There's a little bit more. I'm going to get back to it. So um, on this show, of course, we've talked about the lack of accountability in the criminal justice system, particularly with respect to police. Police can operate with impunity, uh, uh, terrorize black neighborhoods. This has always been true in this country. There's nothing new. Um, but there's never been any accountability. And indeed, the, uh, the nexus of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, rose up in response to this abuse of quote unquote authority. Granted, George Zimmerman, the, the man who killed, um, Trayvon Martin, Trayvon was not a police officer. He was a security officer, a neighborhood watch or something like that. Let's, but, re- let's rewind because I don't want us to confuse even security officer with citizens on patrol vigilante. Mm, sure. Neighborhood watch like self, like self appointed keeper of the peace mm-hmm. sure. who followed, stalked and murdered Trayvon Martin. Well, in the name of standing his ground like, after pursuing. Yeah, yeah. I understood. No, I'm with you. Um, the thing is, the way that the country approached George Zimmerman, or indeed the conservative facet of this country in the criminal justice system there in Florida, um, they approached him the same way that folks tend to approach uh, police officers. Mm-hmm. You got blind support. You can do whatever you want. The, the victim is black or the deceased is black. He must have done something wrong, right? Um, so there's, we, we talk about that a lot on the show. There's no accountability there. We talk about this is why the Black Lives Matter movement began. The affirmation exists. It's not to say that Black people don't have more problems than just police problems. We recognize that. But to have accountability to establish that Black life has value. And if you take it, you will be pursued. If a Black person kills a Black person and the law catches the person who does the killing, that person will be sent to jail. If a police officer kills a black person, oftentimes there is no accountability. And so this is kind of the nexus of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, which is really just a rebranding and a rebirth of the movements, plural, that have existed um, in black communities in this country, going back to, uh, you know, the black codes and Jim Crow, you know, when we had to figure out how to deal with early forms of policing and, you know, terrorism from Ku Klux Klan and so forth. So police, we get it. Today we're talking about citizens. Indeed, this particular citizen driving her car through a crowd of BLM protesters, sending people flying into the air. And they said that she gets five hours of community, sir. Hours, not days, not months, not years. Hours. And of community service. Isn't that hurtful? 
I, I often cringe at the idea of actual progress. You know, I, I kind of joke that I'm the op- the pessimist to Ram's optimism. I just found, I find myself grounded in the reality that I live in. I see no such progress. Well, um, five uh, hours. You know, uh, we, we had this similar conversation with, um, I believe her name is Kim Potter. She's the officer that shouted taser, 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 pulled out her gun and ended Dante Wright's life. Is Dante Wright or Dante White? Right. Right. Okay. Um, and she went to prison for 16 months. I'm going to say something like that. It was like a three year sentence, but half of it had to be in served and half the other half was out. Like, first of all, she was convicted. The jury, the court determined her to be guilty of the crime she was accused of. And the sentence for said crime, for said conviction, the quote-unquote accountability for having committed this crime, okay, we're past determining whether or not she did it, she did it, she's guilty, was three years. And even that was too much to ask. This is Maggie B. Noen, and we'll be right back with more Civic Cipher after a quick break. Hi, I'm Dr. Miranda Melcher, host of the Just Access podcast. We bring you amazing interviews from the world of human rights and access to justice, from Dunja Miatovic, Council of Europe Commissioner for Human Rights, to Liz Evenson, International Justice Director at Human Rights Watch. Whether you're a law student or legal professional, human rights activist, or just want to stay up to date on what's happening with the world, the Just Access podcast is your go-to for inspirational stories and fascinating discussions about the state of human rights today. Search for Just Access on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because they let her out. Yeah. She's might be on house arrest or something like that right now. So here's the thing. It shows you exactly what the criminal justice system, uh, one of the more visible um, facets of white supremacy in this country, shows you exactly what the criminal justice system uh, thinks of in terms of the value of black life. If you kill a black kid, we'll call it three years. If you run some black people over, we'll call it five hours of community service. You see, so you see the insult there and you see why the affirmations that we have are necessary and that that we need to sear these statements into the consciousness of this country. Because if you ran your car into a pack of, I don't know, wolves, bears, and and anything, Dogs. dogs. Doesn't yeah, dogs, anything. Um people would be outraged. People there's no way that you would get five hours of community. There it just wouldn't happen. Um and so again, we make this comparison all the time that the criminal justice system in this country, there there's two. 
there's two there's two sides of it and we often experience the one side two very separate systems now i want to read a little bit more here um just because on this show we have to tell as much of the story as we can so um every argument has two sides she i'll, I'll read her side okay prosecutors with district attorney alvin bragg's office said they consented to the new conditions because Casillo had no prior record, didn't flee the scene, did not plot to harm those protesting, and took responsibility for what happened. Pause for a second. Yep. They said she did not what? Uh, she didn't have a prior record. She didn't flee the scene, did not plot to harm those protesting. Okay, so... Yeah. So what is what does that mean when you run your car into a crowd? So she... This is what it says. <laughs> All right, it goes on to say, Casillo told police she feared for her and her daughter's safety when she acted that fateful day. So her and her 29-year-old daughter in a car. Um, they're afraid for their safety. They're in a car to protest. So they run people over, sending people flying into the air. All right, I'll finish. A uh, demonstrator outside the courtroom disputed Castillo's, or sorry, Casillo, Casillo's assertions that she panicked and hit the gas because the crowd of protesters was, quote, aggressive. This is why I chose um, wolves. But dogs works, too, because people care about dogs. If, if a dog is being aggressive or you think a dog is being aggressive, um, there are people who still come to the defense of that dog. And they'll say, well, the dog was afraid. The dog had a right, every right to be aggressive. The dog, it doesn't mean you get to run the dog over. There are people who would that would lose their minds. So we live in a country where people would flip out over animal abuse. And what was the name of the, I believe a black child fell into a gorilla enclosure at a zoo. And to keep the child from being hurt, they either tranquilized or shot, shot him. They shot the gorilla. The gorilla. Yeah. And people were outraged yeah. there's a 100% chance that this child is going to be harmed or killed I believe that child was black because I cannot imagine our country being as angry over someone trying to protect a white child well, in those same circumstances I will uh raise you this next story here. Uh, this one comes from Time Magazine. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is trying to pardon a man convicted of murdering a BLM protester. This is just this past week. Okay. The fate of an Army Sergeant, uh, Daniel Perry, who was found guilty of fatally shooting a protester at a Black Lives Matter demonstration in 2020, is up in the air as the Texas Pardon Board reviews the conviction for a possible pardon at the governor's request and Perry's attorney pushes for a retrial. So the governor has requested that they look into this. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about this story. On April 7th, Perry a 35-year-old active duty sergeant at Fort Hood was convicted of murder in connection with the death of Garrett Foster, 27, who was killed after Perry shot him during a protest in Austin, Texas in July 2020. Perry claims he acted in self-defense because he feared for his life after Foster, who was carrying an assault rifle under Florida's open carry law, allegedly made him feel right. 
Now, do you see how in both of these stories, the feelings and the security of the white individuals is very much centered, despite being, in my estimation, unfounded. If I have the protection of a car, none of the windows are broken, you know, I'm still in a car, right? Um, and then I floor it, run people over. Who's the aggressor? Well, the criminal justice system seems to think, eh, most they, likely, they, they, the, they, most they, likely the person that got run over. Sure. Right. But we, we you know, we, we have to you know, five hours of community service. We'll call it square. Um, in this instance, this man is literally going to get away with murder. At the governor's request. And we already know the story about Ralph Yarl. Right. And, you know, you may be saying to yourself, well, the wheels of justice are turning slowly. No, because the wheels of justice wouldn't be turning at all. In the case of Ralph Yarl, the young man or the, the boy who knocked on the wrong door and was shot in the head and the arm. The, the police didn't even want to arrest, uh, what's his name? Andrew Lester. They had to arrest him two days later because of public outcry. I was going to say the police didn't arrest. Not they didn't want to. They didn't. Exactly. Went to the police station. Went home. Statement, went home. Went I was afraid. That's why I shot him twice. That's why I opened the, the door. door. <laughs> That's why I went and got my gun and then opened the door and then shot him because I was terrified. So. There's another story. It's just like this. And you'll start to understand this sort of pattern. Um, I had the privilege uh, of speaking with Ahmaud Aubrey's mom uh, a few days ago uh, for a show I do with the Black Information Network. And we talked about how she's honoring her son's you know, memory and making sure that people continue to say his name that he wasn't just a person who was born to live those few years and die and be remembered as a person who died. Um, she, in her estimation, her belief that he, he's worth more than just being remembered for dying. And I think that that's more than fair. But the story there is that there were some people in Florida who saw him in a neighborhood and in a like abandoned house or a house that like a construction site or something like that just investigate and checking it out it's cool to see how stuff comes together i know i built houses before well i didn't build them myself but i had houses built to live in them ultimately interesting to see how they lay the floors in and frame the walls and stuff and my neighbor's houses as they were going up as well anyway maybe wrong place wrong time but uh some folks didn't like that so they went and got their guns. But even if he was full on trespassing, it wasn't their house. Posted signs, yeah. don't come over here. The punishment for that isn't death. Is not and should not be murder by citizens on patrol. Exactly. What gives you the right to end the life of hang on, before we get there? Um this story for those that are not familiar. They jumped in their trucks. This is in the South, in Georgia. So they're in their trucks, 
chasing him down. They jump out in trucks. They start wrestling. He tries to run away. Yeah. And um, I hope you never have to watch the video, but they shot Ahmad and he died in the street. Um, and I think it took two months before the police actually went back and arrest. They knew what happened. The act- day they came and they were like, yeah, we shot him. Actually obstructed just- justice. Yeah. Like actual members of local politics and local law enforcement mm-hmm. went out of their way to make sure these men didn't get in trouble for it. Exactly. So, you know, the question you ask is, why aren't there consequences for harming black people? Again, a question that we've asked with respect to police officers. And now we're asking it with respect to just ordinary citizens who feel like driving their car through a crowd of protesters or bringing assault rifles to BLM protests um, or ringing doorbells or going to the store to get Skittles and walking to a friend's house in the case of uh, uh, Trayvon or in Ahmad Aubrey's case. And, and not only not being held accountable, but being held up as heroes. Yeah, that happens too. Sometimes. Getting book deals and going on tours yeah. and signing autographs and posing with politicians sure. after murdering people that look like us. It's like a sickness, man. It's, it's a, there's like a sickness that exists in this country. But the reason we wanted to talk about this is because it's important that you understand the context of the affirmations that we chant, Black Lives Matter. It's important that you understand why the accountability is important. It's important that you understand that we demand and insist that this country value our lives and the lives of our children the way that we value our own lives. And until that day happens, stories like this will continue to explain exactly where this country stands.